Hi, welcome to the latest episode of Shoe Speak HR. This week, I am delighted to be joined uh, by Jack Latus, who is the CEO of Latus Health. Hi, Jack. How are you? Hi, Andrew. I'm very good. Thank you. Yourself? All good. All good. Thank you. Uh, like I say, really excited to have you on. Um, what I will do is subject you to the Shoe Speak HR uh, question that all newcomers get subject to. Um, and that's what is your favourite podcast um, that you listen to right now? I think my favourite podcast at the moment is probably the Huberman Lab podcast. And I think the reason for that is it amazes me how Andrew Huberman, who is the, the host, has the ability to hold what is often a 90-minute, two-hour podcast on what should be quite a boring subject, some area of human science, and make it really engaging, really interesting, and also take really high-level science and make it understandable for, you know, layman's like me. Common man. And, and also um, make it really easy to put into practice. Yeah, he's talking about, I don't know, dopamine pathways and norepinephrine pathways and things like this, which are yeah, really way above my knowledge level. And I'm going out of it thinking, right, if I do X, Y, and Z, that'll boost dopamine at the right time and all of these sort of things. And, you know, and, and I think it's, it's been transformational to the general health industry, not healthcare. But you, you see people now that they're doing ice plunges, they're doing, they're getting outside and doing walking, and not just for the benefit of going for a walk, but to get access to sunlight and all the benefits that come with that and different supplement protocols and things which used to be you know, only for the biohacking community and now almost making it mainstream. I mean, how many people do you see these days doing cold plunges and things like that? And it's just before people would have had the, the mickey taking them out of that. And now it's, you know, it's mainstream and it's normal. And, and for me and my profession, I'm like, well, that's great because that's what we want to see people doing. So I've got a yeah. massive kudos for that. Oh, well, I've jotted that down. That is on my list to, uh, to tune into. Um, I deliberately didn't give Jack a huge build-up. Um, he is the CEO, that speaks for itself. Um, but I didn't want to talk too much about latest health because one of my, oh, the very first question, once we've got past the, uh, the Shoe Speak HR protocol, um, is to ask Jack to tell us a little bit about latest health and, um, and what, what they do, what they offer. Um, and before I hand over to Jack, um, as our listeners will be aware, we don't generally get people on to this podcast if they're not helpful to the HR community. So, you know, kind of that that SIF process has been done, rest assured. And, and you know, kind of we, Shoesmiths, are very, you know, kind of aware of the importance of, of what Latest Health does and, 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 and other um, similar organisations, you know, within the industry. So, Jack, over to you. Can you tell us a little bit about your business? Sure, I can. Yeah, it's one thing I do like to talk about. And <laughs> Latest Health is a tech-enabled B2B healthcare provider. We deliver occupational health and employee wellness solutions and services across the whole of the UK. We were founded in 2017. We're a family business. It's over myself and my younger brother, Sam, my older brother, Will. We're still cosily and wholly owned by the three of us. And... um we have a, a mission to change the way the world heals and we're coming at that from probably two angles number one being 
changing the healthcare model, not just in occupational health, but in general healthcare to a much more proactive, precision healthcare model, as opposed to the current reactive model of come back when you're ill enough for me to treat you. And then secondly, when we talk about changing the way the world heals, it is also at the moment, the healthcare um, industry produces, I think something like 4.4% of all greenhouse gases, yet our um, the one of the biggest, no, probably the biggest healthcare crisis that we're all facing as humanity is actually the you know, the environmental crisis, and therefore we're trying to move the healthcare model to be much more tech focused, much more digital focused to actually deliver a greener healthcare service. Um, and we're trying to lead definitely within occupational health, and we will be the first and only fully remote occupational health in the coming months. Um, so yeah, we're a tech-enabled occupational healthcare company who really cares about improving the uh, the well-being of all workforces. And yeah, I, I mean, it, and that in itself, I'm guessing, has been accelerated the whole remote access by you know kind of the pandemic and everything else, and, and people being more used to uh, you know remote meetings. Um, but for for kind of my clients for the HR community that is music to their ears that you know because you know kind of often one of the blockers for occupational health is getting to see the individuals getting them to arrange to come for an appointment or to allow somebody into their own home it feels a bit intrusive or to come back into the workplace if the individual has encountered workplace issues so yeah I think that's a, a real key um, you know kind of development for occupational health advisors um you know because like i say there's just so many challenges so many obstacles to get over and if if having a remote meeting speeds that up removes some of them's obstacles then it, it feels like a no-brainer um so I, I guess occupational health i come across it quite a lot um but probably in the worst possible scenario is when i'm reviewing tribunal claims um or defending tribunal claims and looking at the documents that my client have sent and you know there's an occupational health report that's being prepared and the frustration i think that emanates from clients is they don't fully understand what they're getting from their occupational health provider they 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 know they exist they know roughly what they should do um but i guess where this question's going is is to understand a little bit about what the services it is that you offer to businesses so that it isn't just a case of, you know, kind of emergency crisis time or just to prepare a single report. Because I know that your business offers a lot more than that, Jack. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, definitely does. I think definitely within your field, within employment law, everyone straight away thinks of we've got an, an employee who is um, causing us some concern or difficulties, i.e. they're potentially ill or injured, that's affecting their work and we want to know as an employer what is the right protocol for us to follow to number one, support that employee the most, uh, but also to make sure that subject to having to dismiss due to capabilities or that person not being able to return to work in an appropriate time, we've done everything right and work covered so there's no potential litigation against us. So I think that's the the obvious place and that's certainly where we add a lot about you to um and, and employers and businesses um i think the other areas we offer a lot more assistance is in the more the proactive side of occupational health so whether that be uh, annual health 
surveillance where businesses are potentially exposing employees to environments which are harmful to health you know we we do uh, annual audiometry testing lung function testing skin assessments exposure to vibrating tools all these things which if you're not constantly monitoring uh, and these are hate to see guidelines of of when those uh, tests should be done you're exposing your business potential liability around someone's health being negatively affected because of the working environment and you haven't got the record to say you've been monitoring that so that's definitely an area we do an awful lot in manufacturing in construction in food production basically any environment that could be harmful to health we do a lot of work making sure that people are fit for role so if someone's working in a um a safety critical environment or um they need a, a certain medical fitness level to be able to do a job we we um, monitor that and make sure they aren't effectively approve them say yes that person is fit for role um in terms of the way we like to work it's, it's very much as a, a health partner so we like to partner with businesses early on before they necessarily need our service understand what their main health risks are what they're trying to do whether it be from an employee well-being point of view to try and attract and retain talent we, we can help there with perks such as health assessments uh, giving people access to online GP, online counselling, physiotherapy, rewarding people for healthy activities. We've got you know great tech and software built to actually reward people for being healthy and active. Uh, whether it's just wellness promotion on sites, we do. You know we've got a, a whole host of really talented and highly engaging well-being presenters who host se seminars and webinars to to really engage the workforce in in healthy activities and you know that education piece to make sure they are then starting to make good lifestyle choices so it's a whole spectrum of occupational health and wellness solutions that we we provide uh, we're certainly not a transactional occupational health provider so if you're looking for like a one-off medical or one-off health assessment it's not we're not really you go to for that because we want to partner with businesses understand their needs and then support them to to grow we came into occupational health from a a totally different angle to most other people none of none of the, us as founders were, were medical most occupational health businesses are set up by some nurses or doctor and you know a nurse couple of doctors or something um we didn't so when we came in so we looked at it to start with totally from what do we need to do to help the business um to perform at its best so it really was very much a partnership approach we provide what the business needs to keep their employees as healthy as possible and I think that's really important, Jack. I think, you know, kind of you, you look at, you know, society these days, everybody's got a smartwatch, everybody's counting the steps, you know, and, and, and well-being is at the top of lots of people's agenda, especially the younger generation coming through. So, you know, kind of in terms of that holistic benefits package, um, it's probably something that, you know, kind of your workforce will demand if you don't offer it um, or you will see people vote with their feet, like you say. So it's that attraction and retention of, yeah, and, and I think the even for the, let's call it the really core element within employment law, the advice I would give for people on that is, and this might sound like a sales pitch, but it's whether you use latest or one of the other 200 op options in the country is position yourself well and early and, and get a relationship with your occupational health provider because what I see too often, and you'll definitely see this, Andrew, is some, a business will come to you and be like, oh, we need help, and then, you know, you're, you're, you're looking around the market trying to find someone trying to rush your referral through as opposed to just 
just having the occupational health being there, if there's a some form of retainer required to keep them on, on hand, then, then so be it, because that will pay dividends when the case does arise that you need it for. You've got a relationship built up and you can go straight to your health provider and say, we now need help with this situation. Your provider knows you as a company and you will get such a better um, report because y- your staff will know how to uh, do a good quality referral because the um, the a good health provider will train your staff how to do a good quality referral and the advisors will know the business so we'll be able to give really good quality specific advice as opposed to you know just off the shelf textbook or health advice which is potentially no use to your um specific set of uh, circumstances no i couldn't agree more and you know kind of when i was listening to you talk about you partnering with organizations and, and you know kind of that inevitably is going to lead into better reports when you know kind of you are asked the generic question is this individual able to come back to work now or anytime soon with some reasonable adjustments you know because those questions all come in and if if your occupational health advisors don't really know what that work is then it's a much much more difficult task and 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 inevitably that flows into the report um and and the report becomes not really worth the paper it's written on um you know twofold one to help with the defense of any claim but secondly and probably more importantly into to actually how to address the issues, how to kind of manage them, how to get the individual back to work. So, you know, kind of that, it, it really is about that partnership um, and that understanding, you know, kind of seems a, an absolute no-brainer for me and, and key to to any kind of relationship, um, you know, with between businesses and their occupational health providers. So I guess I, I have my own opinions on this, but I'd love to get your view on this as well, Jack, in terms of your single biggest tip you would give um and you may have already alluded to it but the single biggest tip you would give to any business requesting an occupational health report on on an individual who is absent you know by reason of of illness of some kind my biggest tip would be not to leave it all down to the referral form so in to be able to complete a referral form and for the individual so the advisor looking at that the the doctor the nurse the occupational health advisor to be able to look at that and and 100 ascertain from that what you're asking is highly unlikely so where possible potentially when there's an extra cost to the business but you'll get a better report if you also have a consultation of some form with the company that are doing that report for you to say Here's the referral we put through. It's not inappropriate to also have a conversation with, and it's very easy now. We're all happy using Teams and Zoom, Google Meet, etc. Um, not wanting to support any of those individuals, <laughs> unless you're sponsored by one. Um, it's simple, but that what that will allow you to do is make sure you're putting across all of your um, information in the right way to the advisor to make sure that they have got a really balanced understanding of the scenario when they come to write their report because otherwise what's going to happen is they're going to have a referral document from you so a written document probably submitted online hopefully probably not with most providers and they're then going to have an appointment where they may spend up to an hour speaking to the employee well that's going to be heavily weighted in the employee's favor not necessarily in terms of the the report being biased towards them but that employee has had an hour to talk to them and give them their side of it and 
really um that you know you could almost even have like recency biased in there where they've had your referral form then they've spoken to the employee so when they come to write that report the latest things they've got in their head are from that that appointment so it's not it's not cheating the system it's certainly not unethical to do is to make sure you also have a consultation with the the nurse or doctor that's going to write in the report and and if you've got to pay for that time then my advice would be and again this sounds biased because that's how we make our money i would say you get much more from that and i would go as far as to say a core report is worse than no report because a core report creates an extra obstacle for you if you bear in mind that the um the employee gets to see this report and gets a copy of it that's good if you're not happy with what's in the report or if something is totally incorrect it's going to create an extra obstacle for you to get over to have to go and talk to your employee if you're saying actually occupational health is saying there's no reason you can't come back to 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 work now and that that employee is insistent that he can't then you've got a, a scenario there where um you know if, if that report isn't correct because you haven't given the right information you, you potentially create an extra obstacle to to overcome so to summarize because I can speak a long while. To summarize, I would, when it's a complicated case, I would make sure you also get the opportunity to speak to the OCL provider. Yeah, and and I guess that goes back to the whole partnership point, you know, because, you know, like you say, just having a piece of paper as opposed to an hour where two human beings are speaking and emotions are raised and, you know, kind of the employee will always look at it from their perspective because that's what they do. That's what, you know, kind of anybody does. Um, you know, so you... It, it, the facts or the factual matrix can can become a little bit skewed. So I think it's a very sensible suggestion and, and not one that I see offered by lots of organizations as a as a kind of as a standard and that and that may kind of lead into um you know kind of it not happening. And the other pitfall that I see time and time again is, you know, kind of the, the referral form, it's a bit of a copy and a paste exercise done by somebody in the admin team that's just you know doesn't fully understand the facts so you know this form lands and it and it and it's not entirely accurate so you know having that additional meeting just removes any of those risks um like if with my employment law hat on though i would always say that you know kind of there should be notes of that meeting taken if at all possible just to kind of create the paper trail so that there can't be any allegations of bias and equally so that if there are if there are any wrongs corrected in terms of the form, that is documented. Um, you know, that's unfortunately, Jack, I only ever see the tribunal claims. So um <laughs> you know, I'm always kind of erring on the side of caution in terms of documents, but um, you know, there's absolutely no reason why that meeting can't happen and why it can't be minuted. Um, you know, or, or some kind of summary provided and, you know, sent over as a follow up. So, you know, kind of I think that's a great piece of advice. Um and then before I let you go, Jack, I appreciate your time is very precious. Um, and I guess million dollar question, but how do you see the future of occupational health? That is a million dollar question. And I think we have a very different vision for it here, which is uh, latest compared to the rest of the industry. Um, I think eventually they have to come over to our way of thinking around making sure that it's much more technology enabled and digital focused which is a big battle in our industry because the people who founded occupational health or certainly created it the way it currently is are still here and 
with any industry when people say we do something because that's the way we've always done it, it makes me cringe but it's very much occupational health i would i would look at it similar to the way that maybe banking industry was before monzo and stalin came and disrupted it um i um i think we we are trying to move occupational health into what i'm calling occupational health 3.0 so occupational health version one was your old school factory nurse mainly uh effectively was a, a first point of call if someone got injured in the factory um or if someone was off sick they probably did a few vision tests looking at a snellen snellen chart on the wall a few blood pressures that's occupational health 1.0 luckily we're no longer there we're in occupational 2.0 which is regular health screening of employees good quality um occupational health advice to employers based on uh, input from employment law and those two are really well aligned now i see but it's still very reactive i see occupational health 3.0 where we are currently operating and it's not just the addition of technology and how can we use technology to improve the um delivery and access to occupational health the part of occupational health 3.0 which i think is the big step is saying how can occupational health actually help people get healthier and what i mean by this is at the moment when we deliver an occupational health report anybody does it's just a this is the current scenario this is when we expect that employee to be back at work or this is how you can keep that employee at work and these are the adjustments you should make the next step we're trying to change this is if that if possible is there a recovery plan i.e a protocol that we can put in play like this employee who is currently ill or injured completes will improve the likelihood of them getting back to work earlier or keep them at work um or even better and also as well prevent them from the injury or illness happening again and i think that's the step that is, is really exciting so that becomes proactive so if you've got someone who's the report say this person is going to be back in eight weeks if we can say however if they follow this protocol say they've had a knee injury we will expect them to be back in four weeks and fit ready to play same way you would with an athlete obviously going from my sporting background at that point the business has a great decision to make they can say right we've been told that there's this opportunity this recovery program it'll cost all in for the occupational therapist to run it or the physio two thousand pounds but we'll get that employee back hopefully four weeks earlier at that point they can make that you know cost benefit analysis say yep yeah, right we're going to go for it or actually no we're not that worried about having that employee back eight weeks is fine but at that point occupational health is really adding significant value to that business above and beyond just you know keeping them safe from a, a legal standpoint and from you know making sure we're ticking the boxes which often unfortunately occupational health still sits into is is box ticking so again to summarize that's where i see occupational health 3.0 is we're calling here at latest which is really proactive support to actually help people get better faster and, and back into work faster and i think there's a significant return on investment for businesses and employers there and it, you know kind of the, you only have to look at the statistics you know sickness absence cost the uk economy billions um you know so to the extent you can start eating into that it it, it does feel like it's very much a direction of travel that that most organizations will will and should get behind yeah and that that that's a great point you made there i mean why in the spring budget did 
um, did they hint at the fact that they're actually going to be providing a benefit scheme to employers, well, SMEs, towards occupational health? Well, the simple reason there is a fiscal benefit to getting employees back into work. We know that there's a labor shortage at the moment. There's too many people who are in the working age who aren't able to work. <clears throat> and a lot of that is due to illness or injury. And so there is a, like I said, a real fiscal benefit saying, let's support these businesses with occupational health. And it's great news for us, but it's good news for the employers. And it is good news for the taxpayer because at the moment, the too, too much um, of their tax money is going towards those people who are not able to work due to illness or injury. So there, there is a real benefit there. If um, Absolutely. And, it, and, so, and there's also, there has to be a benefit for the individual employee as well, because nobody want, nobody, nobody who's a genuine, who's genuinely off sick, doesn't, you know, who likes being ill. There's nobody. Everybody would like to be back at work. They'd like to be doing the, you know, whatever they do on a weekend and, and everything else, you know, and, 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 you know, kind of ultimately you will find individuals that want to play the system. And and if they do, they'll play the system, whatever the system is. Um, and but, and most, most people who are off absent, who don't have a genuine illness or injury, it is actually, it's a, it's an engagement level issue. And it's not, you know, I'd say this to people all the time who want to use our wellbeing and wellness programs as an attraction and retention program and they say, will this reduce absence? I say it will, and, and, and I've got no doubt about that. It will, and I'll give you hundred percent money back guarantee, but if you don't have a good management program in place and you haven't got people on, you know, clear job scorecards, clear development plans, and they've got good management, they'll not come to work because of that, not because you're not looking after their well-being. No, absolutely. Um, well, Jack, that has been really, really fascinating, insightful. Um, so thank you from me for giving up your time. It's, it's, it's very much appreciated. Thank you on behalf of the listeners. Um, I I always invite listeners to to get in touch after having listened to any podcast um, via our email shoespeakhr at shoesmiths.co.uk and I'm I'm going to ask Jack this live if if any queries come in from people are you happy for me to forward them on to you? Um, he's nodding. He's definitely nodding. So I'm, I'm taking that as an affirmative. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Look, our our mission goes towards helping as many uh, workplaces provide healthier working environments for employees as possible. Um, so yeah. happy to pick up any year. Um, and and I'm sure Jack will will find the right home within latest health for for those queries. Um, if you've got, so I, 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 I am conscious. I don't want to kind of have him bombarded with uh, lots and lots of queries, but. Um, knowing Jack as I do, he would be very amenable to that as well. Um, a very down-to-earth chap who is running a very successful business. So I'm not going to take up any more of your time, Jack, but thank you once again um, from myself and, and the Shoespeak HR listeners. Thank you very much, Andrew. It's been been a lot of fun. Thanks for letting me talk about business for probably too long for your listeners. Thank you. No problem at all. Take care.